All right. Well, it is five o'clock, so we will call this meeting of the Iowa City Parks and Recreation Commission to order. So first up on the agenda, we have the minutes from the prior meeting on April the 13th, 2022. They are included in your packet. Um, any comments or corrections from the commission on those minutes? We have a motion to approve. Motion. We have a motion by Commissioner Willis. I'll second. And a second by Commissioner Sorenda. Sorenda, I thought so. Uh, all those in favor, please signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed, nay. Any abstentions? And the minutes are passed. All right. Item number three, uh, discussion from the public on any items that are not on the agenda. So once we get to items that are on the agenda that you would like to talk about, we'll have a, a, some time for public comment. But if there's something that you would like the commission to consider that's not on the agenda, now would be the time. All righty. Moving on to item number four, recreational, recreation facilities and program master plan. Um, the way we will proceed is first we'll have a presentation from the consultants, and then as soon as that's concluded, we'll open up the floor for comments from the public on that item, and then we'll move to comments and questions by the commission. All right, so I would like to introduce um, two of our consultants, which some of you have met. Uh, we have Daniel Wilson and Elsa Fisher from Gosh, now I've just, uh, Barry Dunn, consultants, hope that goes well in the minutes. Um, <laughs> they've been with us for over a year gathering feedback um, and combining this into our draft recommendation. I would just let everyone know that indeed these are draft recommendations and there are some fairly large big picture things that we're thinking about. So we really would like to hear from the public about thoughts and and comments about it. The end goal is to gather those comments over the next two weeks and have this presented to the City Council on June 21st as a draft plan as well at that point. So they will get the recommendations from the plan as it is now along with feedback received between now and then. As a commission as we go through this there are some areas we would like to hear your comments on afterwards and if you felt comfortable giving recommendations at that point it would be a recommendation pending additional public comment but you're welcome to do that as well or to wait so either one is fine um, we will have to cut off the public comment after this at 6:45, which won't be too much of a problem with two or three people but if we have more people come we have another public meeting right after this, so we need to cut that off and finish the meeting. So with that, commission members, you'll want to turn in your chairs because we'll be up on the screen. Hello, everyone. Now you can hear me. I just need to turn up the volume, get it closer to my mouth. So welcome. Thanks for coming to our public members. And thank you all commissioner, commission members. We know you are very busy and appreciate you adjusting your schedules to make this happen tonight. My name is Danielle Wilson. Feel free to call me Danny. This is Elsa Fisher. We are both from Barry Dunn. We are the lead consultant of all of the logos that you see at the bottom there. Our whole and entire team, and we'll just jump really quickly to our whole entire team, has been spending a lot of time listening to the community, talking to staff, digging deep into data analysis to really understand what you have, but specifically, our task was to help the city create a roadmap for future recreation programs, aquatic facilities, 
indoor recreation space, and outdoor athletic and specialty use areas. So that is our task. You already have a Parks Master Plan. This is very specific to programming and the spaces that support that programming. Where we are at in the process is that we have conducted all of the community engagement in phase one, up at the top there. Then the consulting team did a ton of assessment and analysis. We are now in that envision phase where we start to put all of that together. What did we hear from the community? What did we hear from staff? What did we see in what we did in our individual analysis pieces? And now how do we start putting that together? So as Julie mentioned, this is in the draft form. And now today, we're entering, actually on Saturday, we started entering into phase two of our public engagement process. And so, speaking of community engagement, Elsa is going to share what we have done to date, to date for engaging your community. Thanks, Danny. So community engagement um, started actually last fall, and this little flyer went out to residents outlining all of the events where the, the recreation staff had pop-up events to gather input about this planning process. So there were many, many opportunities for people to get 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 involved. Uh, Danny and I uh, facilitated 10 focus groups with a variety of uh, different types of organizations from Iowa City. As I said, the staff did 13 events um, that attracted 299 people. There was a statistically valid survey that was conducted by ETC Institute. All they do is uh, surveys, so we consider them survey experts. And then the same survey was also made available online for anyone in the community who um, wanted to fill one out. And the two surveys were actually tabulated separately, but another 216 people uh, filled out that survey. And then Barry Dunn created a social pinpoint site where uh, people could go online and take part in a number of um, opportunities to weigh in about what was working, what wasn't working, what they liked, what they didn't like, what they'd like to see more of, how facilities were operating. Um, so there's a, an engagement summary of all of these things that we conducted that I think is probably 100 pages long. So if you want to read that, there's a lot of information about that. So now we're in phase two of engagement. We had one open house this afternoon over at Mercer. We're meeting with all of you today, and then we have another open house here tonight at 7.15. So phase one and phase two um, of the community engagement. So the ETC Institute conducted the statistically valid survey, and one of the things that ETC has created is called the priority investment rating. And this rating reflects the importance of a, a program or a facility along with the unmet needs. So it's combining those two things. And this is hard to read on the next chart, on the next slide, we can go through the, the priority investment ratings for indoor facilities. So this is top uh, items for potential investment for a recreation center amenities. The first one, indoor walking jogging track, and the second one, uh, weight room. And incidentally, that's the highest score that we've ever seen for an indoor walking and jogging track. It's often an item that's very, very um, 
popular and people want these, especially in communities where the winter hits and you're kind of locked inside. But um, certainly Iowa City has a lot of interest in an indoor walking, jogging track. In terms of programming, people are very interested um, and have a need for adult fitness and wellness and nature programs. The farmer's market here is um, serving a lot of needs and certainly a very, very um, important program. Outdoor pool amenities, shade areas, lazy river, deck chairs, lap lanes, recreational swimming areas, all priorities for outdoor swimming. Pool program for investment, pool program ideas, water fitness classes, lap swimming, certainly a, a very popular program in Iowa City, senior aquatic programs, swimming lessons, and youth open swim opportunities. So throughout all the um, engagement, we asked the same question with every single group. And the question was, if the cost were the same, do you prefer to renovate City Park Pool as, exactly as it is today, or would you like to see a new layout? So this is the combination of all of the um, times we asked this question with the survey, the events, the social pinpoint site, and the focus groups. And as you can see, almost 56% of the respondents prefer a new layout compared to almost 36% who want the same layout. So there's a desire in Iowa City for some change. But people want to keep the aesthetics of the pool and the, the character that is there now. So they want something new, but they still would like to keep um, some of the traditions that have been, been there. Okay, so throughout the engagement, there were some high-level themes that emerged. Um, obviously, the first one, City Park Pool Renovations. The pool is 73 years old. It's time to renovate. The future of the indoor pools, big topic of conversation. The recreation centers, what's working, what needs to be added. Program promotion came up, and then pickleball came up every single time we talked to people, and every survey question, whether the survey was asking about pickleball or not, um, people want their pickleball courts renovated and they want them expanded. So indoor facilities, I think I'm turning it over to Danny to talk about. Yeah, we're gonna talk about indoor facilities. So we want to first start with Mercer Aquatic Center and Scanlon Gymnasium. And so our architect, our aquatic engineer and our ADA consultant all visited all of the buildings. And so starting with this one, what they ended up doing is looking at what's the highest priority. Now there are three level of levels of priorities, whole long list that we're not gonna bore you with this evening, but will be in the report that you can see all priority one items, all priority two, etc. So here are some photos for you to just exemplify what they do. They go in, they see opportunities for improvement or things that need fixing. So for example, at Mercer Park Aquatic Center and Scanlon Gymnasium, there are things like, yeah, let's fix this caulk, let's fix this leak in the solarium window, that sort of thing. Or there's some infiltration of water coming in this doorway, let's get that fixed. So we do have this whole long list of things, including opportunities to make each facility even more accessible. So here are some examples of what comes to the top at Mercer. So for example, they'll look at stair height or is the changing bench in this case too high? All of those items get delineated. You already had a transition plan, an ADA transition plan. This is an update to it to see what progress is made and what still needs to be accomplished. 
So we start to look at things like, all right, well, what does this mean? There's some stainless steel that needs to be fixed that's hopefully fixed now that we've had the uh, ventilation upgrade recently. There are some things in, on the pool deck. Yes, overall great condition. A few areas that could use a little bit of TLC. All in all, indoors, the existing pool is in really good condition. Outside the waiting pool, not as great condition. And for those of you who have been there for a while, you'll probably just be able to see it just with your own eye, that there are some things that need to be fixed. And this leads into conclusions for the aquatic center portion of that building that really, as long as you keep up, the staff keeps up with the repairs, they've done a great job already keeping that facility in a really great shape. So as long as those repairs are continued, you'll keep that deterioration down, no problem. Outside, however, the waiting pool isn't really used. It's not um, in really good condition right now. So it's either invest or divest. And we'll show you our recommendation in a little bit here. So after that, once we move from Mercer, we can move on to Robert A. Lee Recreation, Community Recreation Center. Thanks, Danny. So again, um, all of the experts evaluated all these facilities. And at Robert A. Lee, the priority one findings um, the natatorium, it needs, we need to remediate the rusted structural connections. And the, the pool in this facility is 58 years old, and the, the pool is built on top of a bomb shelter. So when the pool gets renovated, it's going to be very costly to dig down and repair what needs to be repaired. You guys are look surprised by that. <laughs> the, the concrete under this building is at least twice what it would typically be in any other building, um, which is what we've run into with both of our recent um, renovation projects. So just an interesting fact. <laughs> So there's, there's some seepage, and um, so definitely issues with the pool. As far as the, the facility, the rest of the facility, the upper level, level quarters, they're, they're not compliant for egress. Um, same thing on the lower level. So that's an, an ADA, it's actually a compliancy issue that needs to be dealt with. In terms of ADA, there's some issues with ramps that are too steep. There's some signage that's not at the right height for all people of all abilities. So here's the full list. There's some pool piping, some issues with the, the waiting pool, the filters have reached the end of their useful life, and the surge tank is deteriorating and in very poor shape. So one of the things that needs to be considered is comparing the cost to renovate this pool to potentially building something new at Mercer, which is a part of the conversation. So, so the conclusions, the pool is 58 years old and it, it, the repairs are, are a, there's a long list and they need to be addressed. Um, and then I talked about comparing the replacement to, the, uh, to creating something new. Um, so some big decisions and some big dollars that need to be considered. City Park Pool. Okay, so similar exercise done at City Park Pool that from the bathhouse perspective, there are some damaged vents and cedar fascia that needs to be replaced. And really, there's a lot going on in that facility. Anyone who's been there, again, the just the naked eye can see there's some repair work to be done. But what we don't see are things like on the right-hand side, the confined space, that there's an issue with access to that particular space. 
So that is something that will need to get remedied. Additionally, from a pool perspective, there is, we will say, the staff got commended for their ability to keep this pool operational for going on 73 seasons. So kudos to the staff, and these are from people who look at pools like these as a part of their job every day, all day. So kudos to staff, but the, the paint is peeling. You can only do so much painting every year to keep up with it. There's some stuff with the gutters, etc. But really, um, oh, by the way, some ADA access, um, accessibility issues from slope and some of the things too high. There, again, there's a whole list of items that pertain to City Park Pool. But the thing that we need to remember, uh, what's underlined there is the pool loses 30,000 gallons of water per day. And I'm just going to pause there because that's a lot of water. There are problems going on that the staff just as best as they can to try to keep up with it. It is 72 years old. Our consultant doesn't know of another facility that has, is still operating like yours is, knock on wood, at this age. So number one is it does, from a findings perspective, sure, you could try to keep band-aiding but a Band-Aid is only going to hold this age of a pool together for so long. And really the recommendation is you've got to move forward with renovating it. So, and with that, we'll talk more about how to renovate it. We're going to switch to outdoor facilities. So the parks that have athletic facilities in them were evaluated by the landscape architects. And what they did at the five parks is they evaluated the site on specific criteria, and then separately they evaluated all of the athletic fields or the courts. So I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about how they evaluated each site. They looked at the physical nature of the site, so the usable area, the shape of the parcel, and expansion ability. They looked at environmental factors such as slope, vegetation, soil, wetlands, floodplains, water table, site cleanup, site prep, they also evaluated infrastructure, which is all the services, water, sanitary, storm sewer, electrical, telecommunications, gas service, and any existing buildings. They also evaluated transportation, so major arterial access, collector access, pedestrian and bike access, proximity to lodging, proximity to entertainment, proximity to residential, existing parking and internal roads. And then the last thing they evaluated in, con in conjunction with all these sites is regulatory or administrative. So land costs, perceived ease of sale, zoning setbacks, easement restrictions, and political or cultural issues. So those are all the things that they evaluated about the site. And then the athletic fields or the courts, they actually looked at the turf conditions, the drainage, the slopes, um, the, the condition of the court. So they every single facility then got a score. So this was done for Mercer, for Napoleon, for City Park, two more. Here they are. Okay, so then all of those evaluations led to this chart, which obviously we're not gonna go through, but it's in the final report. So City Park, East Side, Kickers, Mercer, and Napoleon. These are all of the items that need to be addressed at some point. And East Side Sports Complex, that's a proposed plan. Obviously, there's nothing there now, um, but the plan has um, was developed about six years ago, and all of that information is on the, the city's website. 
So outdoor facilities. So these are the, the five sites and the upgrades that have been recommended. So the first one, City Park Pool, includes some improvements to the ball fields and improvements to pickleball and tennis. And the estimated cost for those improvements is four to $5 million. The Eastside Sports Complex includes new ball diamonds, six of them, up to 10 rectangular fields, a dog run, picnic areas, a looped trail, restrooms, a playground, and also an indoor building, 95,000 square feet for some sort of activity. So that cost is 35 to 40 million. Kicker Sports Complex, the highlights there are to design a master plan and then estimate the, the resulting recommendations. The landscape architect is estimating that this will cost between 50,000 and 2 million. At Mercer, the, the uh, improvements include ball field renovation, a new concession roof, shade features, LED lights, and pickleball renovation and expansion. And the cost for that site is between three and four million. And then lastly, Napoleon upgrades. This is strictly ball field improvements, and the improvements are estimated to cost between one and a half million and two million dollars. So demographics, we did a full demographics report as part of our study that will inform the, the report, and that's all in the final report. I'm not gonna go through all of them here. Lots, it's lots of charts and graphs, but it will show you where Iowa City was in 2010, where it was estimated in 20, 2021, and where it's proposed to be in 2026. All right, moving on to the recreation assessment. Okay, thank you. So we, uh, when we assess, when we say recreation assessment, we look at the programming menu and we say, well, what's the department doing really well? What are opportunities for strength, for growth? Do we have perform performance measures? And by the way, does what's being currently offered align with the community's expressed needs? So when we start to do that, we identify what those core programs are. You can see those on the left. And then on the right-hand side, 2019, you may be wondering why we're looking at 2019 data still, but that is our last full set of our typical data that we have seen over time. The last few years have been a little atypical in what we provide from a recreation perspective. So you'll see that evolution continue to uh, shift. But for now, when we assessed what happened in the past, you'll see that over half of the programs fall in that blue portion of the pie chart. That's all the aquatics programming that happened. Now, these are enrollment-based experiences through the department. Then after that, the youth sports was about 14%, and then STEAM-related programming about 10%, et cetera. So that was the 2019 distribution when you look at the whole program menu. Then when you look at enrollment, there is a little bit of a shift, and the most notable one would be that light blue pie piece at the bottom, where 18% of the participation was in the inclusive and adaptive recreation programming, which is really fantastic that you have such great participation and need. We'll talk about that in a little bit um, with one of Elsa's slides coming up. But what we like to see is, our, well, what are people participating in? And compare that. Well, what's being offered in comparison to what people are actually enjoying the most? We also can dig into that by season. So you can see in a little bit different way in the same data, we can say, oh, wow, look at that. We really have aquatics programming 
In other communities, summer shoots up with number of programs offered in aquatics because an outdoor pool opens, when in fact you all are doing a fantastic job offering swimming and consistently through the whole year's cycle. So that was one observation we made. Another we'll point out later is that really little um, point with fitness and wellness. There isn't as much fitness and wellness programming happening currently in the past. But what we've learned from the community is there is a desire for that. And we will, oh, we'll go into that in a minute. I forgot we had this next piece of assessment where we look at, all right, well, where did the folks that participated with the department's programming, where do they live? So what you'll see is the, the hot parts of this map are the pinks and the purples and into then that yellow. The yellow is the most dense level of participation according to where folks live. And you'll see that, yes, on the east side, you have more participation. You also have a higher population density there. On the west, though, our original hypothesis was we're not going to see as much participation on the west when, in fact, got a really great reach out west currently. So that's a really great sign as the west continues to develop, you still be able to reach that community, that segment of your population. We also looked at DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the staff was really committed to digging deep, more so than any staff team than we've ever worked with on how do we provide programs and making sure that we are being equitable, we are intentionally trying to include people, how, and how can we do better at that? So we won't go deep into how that assessment happened, but now because of this analysis, the staff has some identified opportunities for gr continued growth internally. They also looked at some of how those programs are administered and are there ways that the administrative functions can shift, not just with scholarship, but how they plan for those programs to be even more equitable and reach a larger, larger more broad and diverse audience. Finally, we did look at what else is happening in the community surrounding areas to make sure we understood who's offering what, because the department is not the only recreation provider. There are other opportunities, but by the way, we start to notice things like hmm, not a lot of other agencies are providing inclusive and adaptive recreation services. So that helps point our recommendations a little bit to say, yeah, keep going with that type of programming. So that's where we'll, we'll shift gears here and show you a little bit about how we connect what we learned with what our engagement results were. So connection to the community engagement with the farmer's market, really, really, really important program and popular program with uh, Iowa City residents, and I'm not gonna read all of the statistics, you can read them, but it was important on the survey, it was important with the, the uh, pop-up events that the staff did, and 88% of the statistically valid survey respondents who had a need for the farmer's market had fully and mostly met needs. So people have a need, and you're providing, and people are really happy with it. So at the bottom it says keep going. So to keep doing what you're doing with the farmer's market. Next, adult fitness and wellness. So lots of households have a need, um, but in 2019, fitness and wellness programs accounted for only 1.2% of the programs offered. So this is a growth opportunity for the department to um, create some new adult fitness and wellness programs. 
inclusion and adaptive recreation, um, Danny just talked about that. 16% of survey respondents indicated a need for programs uh, for people with disabilities. That's a, a fairly high percentage. Um, enrollments in, in 2019, 1,800 enrollments accounted for 18% of all enrollments. So, and, and in Iowa City, there's only minimal similar providers. So it's really, really important that the department keep doing what they're doing and expand programming in this area. Aquatics is really, really important in Iowa City. We heard that over and over and over again. Uh, your learn to swim programs, uh, people have a need for that. Um, it, every, every time, in every type of engagement, we heard lots and lots about aquatics. So you have a solid lesson program, and certainly there's some opportunities for growth with the aquatic exercise. And that's also one where there's few other providers. With youth sports, so this is, this is kind of a mixed bag. 10.7% of the in-person event respondents were interested. It ranked 23 out of 28. And only 8% of the statistically, statistically valid survey respondents listed this as one of their top four most important activities. So there are some other community-based uh, providers for youth sports, and our recommendation at the bottom was maybe consider redefining what the breadth and depth of youth sports provision entails, um, potentially um, going out beyond traditional sports. STEAM, um, this is another one where we think it's really important that the department continue to incorporate STEAM into existing uh, programs. There's few providers, there's certainly interest, and 72% of the statistically valid survey respondents who had a need indicated that their need was only partially or fully unmet. So an another opportunity to continue. So in a nutshell, the programming opportunities, fitness and wellness, adult programming, inclusive and adaptive expansion, aquatic exercise, opportunities for teens, and culture. So then we know that people want those programs and that those are programs that the department needs to continue. So then what facilities are needed to support those programs? So fitness and wellness was a top priority. Indoor walking, jogging track, certainly high on the list. Weight room, fitness room were three of the top four survey respondents' uh, top choices. A room with inclusive and adaptive equipment and a sensory space, warm water pool, and then multi-purpose space can serve 13 of the 20 program categories listed in the survey. So multi-purpose space that can serve lots and lots of needs is, is certainly a priority in Iowa City. All right, draft plan. The draft plan. So all of us lead, all of our, all of what we've talked about leads us to this place where we start to set the path. So those key findings, really if we, they, we can kind of boil them down to eight areas, but there's, we, there's so much opportunity that we have in the full report where we get to give you the highlights here, but we've got a lot of work for the staff <laughs> ready for the next 10 years. So one of those things we learned, one of the key findings is that city park pool, as Elsa mentioned, yeah, yeah, go ahead and we need to re renovate it, but we need to retain that original aesthetic and character in doing so. Talked about growing programs that focus on cultural experiences 
for teens and for adults. And we would, would love the department to continue to think about adult programming according to the different age segments needs within that broad term adult that there are young adults, adults, activators, and seniors all in that mix, and helping to define the future of the department's role in each of those four subcategories. There are some supply and demand gaps with adult fitness and wellness, nature, aquatic, and inclusive adaptive programs. The indoor pool here in the facility we stand in, Robert A. Lee Community Recreation Center, does need extensive and expensive repair. A warm water pool could provide better access to and support for swim lessons, aquatic exercise, and open swim. Some additional facility space to, to help support those programs we just talked about, multi-purpose, fitness, wellness, and by the way, spreading them across geographically diverse areas, locations throughout the community is important, one of the key findings. And we do need to prioritize those uh, outdoor facility upgrades. We're looking for more community feedback. And so that is one of the things we're looking for today and all of these two weeks is to help have the community help us. Yeah, what do we want to do for priorities? We'll get more, more into that in a moment. So from a geographic access perspective, on the north, we see an opportunity to add a multi-purpose room when the city park pool renovations happen. So into that bathhouse or into the structure that would support the staff administrative functions, there could be a new programming room as a part of that renovation. From the east, Scanlon Gymnasium, we have opportunities to grow the space that's currently there and expand the footprint there to allow for more gymnasium-based programming and a walking, jogging track. We'll look at that in a moment on a, in an image format. On the south, we do have an example that we will show you of a satellite building. So what that means is it's not a full-on recreation center, but it's a more neighborhood-based place that the community can use for renting for their own functions or the staff can program and do summer camp out of and have a place if it starts raining outside to come indoors in the summer. So that, that proposal, yes, we could do it in the south. We do see opportunities for that to also perhaps help develop in the west and maybe in the east in the future. So we do want to watch for that land acquisition opportunity out west and see if that would work, the satellite facility would work out there. So let's dig in a little bit to City Park Pool. We're going to review these, again, they're design concepts. They are not set in stone. We'll talk through the, them with you right now, and then we will open it up to the commission for some questions, some pointed questions that we have for you. But first, we do want to explain that at City Park Pool, some of the proposed changes would be that on that north side, there's a drive up space where folks could drop off. We understand parking can be difficult, so a drop off opportunity could be built into that part of the location. Then as we move further down, you'll see these yellow triangles on the screen. Those yellow triangles represent shade structures. So one of those top priorities that we heard was shade. The other priority, top priority we heard was the notion of having 
ample deck chair space. Like we just want more places to sit down. So there are opportunities throughout identified and I will see if I can if you all can see this. So there's little, almost uh, more shade umbrellas over here with deck chairs. If you move over to the west side, there's opportunity for a little bit of chairs. There's also a lawn area now designated for perhaps camp groups or your family just wants a little extra space to spread out. There is an opportunity to the south here to also expand the current footprint. So I will try to show you, starting on the west side, there's a white dotted line that comes all the way here and crosses where we've got some umbrellas, cabana looking things there for you, and around to the east side and back up. That dotted line is your current footprint. So the proposed draft plan right here is to expand that footprint to take advantage of that tree canopy that you have for shade and also give more space for folks to spread out a little bit. The, the water part, let's talk about that for a moment. That on the north side, this gradient that you see from light color blue down to a darker blue, that means it goes from shallow to a little bit deeper. So it's a, a little bit hard to tell if you are in the back, but feel free, we'll, we've got the boards after we're done, you can come look at those. On the southern part of the body of water, those are stairs. So big steps going into the gradual entry into the water. So there are really three accessible entrance points. The other is over here, there's a little ramp that would come in to help people get into the 50 meter lap lane swim area. And then finally on the westernmost side would be that dive well. What this particular design concept tries to do is incorporate the numerous and variety of feedback of peop what people want in the pool. We're trying to meet a lot of needs in one body of water with actually expanding the bather load now from what it currently is. This is actually a larger bather load capacity and because we will reduce the depth of the water, it actually reduces the amount of water you would need to fill the pool, less impact on the environment, less chemicals that you need to maintain this space. So we see some really great advantages to shifting more towards this more shallow water to allow for more folks to participate on this this side there is by the way there's a current channel here there was if you recall if you were astute you might remember there was a lot of question can't we do a lazy river one of the great opportunities that this particular structure design provides is you don't need as many lifeguard staff members to monitor this type of layout when you start adding things like lazy rivers the number of staff the people power that you need goes up tremendously. So we see a lot of uh, opportunities there. Elsa, did I miss any details of this design? I didn't. You did mention nope. We did mention community room, but I didn't use the fancy laser pointer over here. Those are solar panels that are depicted. And in this particular design concept, there are two different buildings, actually. The right-hand side, this eastern side, is the bathhouse space with non-gender designated spaces to be able to change, to shower, to uh, go in and use the restroom. 
Right now, the way you have to enter City Park Pool, you have to choose male or female. If you have somebody who is accompanying you because you have a special need, again, right now you have to make that choice if they are of a different gender than you. So we're trying to come up with a design that would also be as inclusive as possible from a number of different perspectives. Oh, and there are bathrooms for the park. Thank you, Elsa. Look over to the west. This is where the filter building is. There's an access drive here, but by the way, we can add a restroom onto that. And so it, it's hard to see with this little fence line kind of cuts that building in half. So you can add an access point externally to provide flush toilets, which folks always appreciate in a, a park. Thank you for that. We'll shift over to Mercer Park Pool. Because so much repair is needed here, we wanted to look at opportunities to potentially consider centralizing indoor pool pro service provision in town. The goal was let's not lose any level of service, but let's try to make some gains on what amenities we can provide and what we can accomplish if the staff are all in the same location from an indoor pool management perspective. So on the southern side, you'll see there is a warm water therapy pool as well as a hot tub. The goal is to have an accessible ramp that goes into the hot tub so that folks who might be participating in a water aerobics class can come out of that and still be able to access the hot tub um, to enjoy their time there. Now, the thing that you might not be able to see from the back of the room is this is the footprint of where the current waiting pool is. So we take advantage of that space and that current solarium space that's here on this southern side and create a warm temperature environment and warm water environment. The rest of the pool, thank you. The rest of the pool does not change. The rest of the pool is in great condition. Staff are doing a really good job maintaining it. This is still 50 meters. This still has the bulkhead that's movable. So it's just taking over that solarium area. Yes, it just takes over this space and makes it into a useful space that, what do people, folks, come to Robert A. Lee most for? Well, the water's kept warmer here, so the swim lessons are warmer here. So it's a desirable space for those swim lessons and for those activities in the water that you desire warmer water. In a larger pool body of water like this, you do kind of want it cold in general. So this helps meet the variety of temperature desires and the additional aquatic exercise and swim lesson needs in town. Yes, we're going to the north side. Thank you, Julie. The north side, right now we see a lot of opportunity to recapture some of the space there. So there's duplication right now with the locker rooms and we want to try to, on the left, right now it is a blob, it, that we want to make a gender-neutral gender changing and toilet area. And so with that space conceptually, we're working with the architect to say, yeah, how can we do this? How can we make that happen? We also would like to take advantage of some of the space to create what could be a party room or a multi-purpose room. 
The other opportunity is to move. Currently, there are some offices in the middle. We'd like to get them closer to an external wall to get some natural light for staff. That is a citywide initiative to try to increase from a, a health perspective, more access to natural light. So that is a goal here. By the way, speaking of restrooms, this one could be an opportunity to provide external flush toilet restroom access. Again, at a different park though. And you'll notice there is one reception desk here, this green box. Right now you have two reception areas. Now you would consolidate and come down to one. So ultimately what we'd like to start to help you do is make this space more efficient between the pool side and the gymnasium and program room side. Speaking of the gymnasium side, this proposal says let's add another court onto the end, essentially, of what you have currently in Scanlon Gymnasium. Let's keep that wall in between, helps with noise, helps with keeping balls <laughs> from one side to the other, but let's do a walking track all the way around the outside on the first floor. Then the current Procter & Gamble room area does get divided out a little bit easier to help with access, it's a possible place to put health and fitness programming, some multi-purpose room spaces. Oh my goodness, we've got a scan me here code in the way. So that didn't get my apologies there. The purple blobs are meant to show you multi-purpose room space. Then finally, the bottom right-hand corner that you see on this side of the facility is an opportunity for a kids' gaming room, esports opportunity that there are a lot of teenage folks that go to that facility because of the proximity to the junior high. So let's keep some amenities here that would attract a different interest group from a recreation perspective. The satellite facility concept is just blown up for you a little bit here where the purple room you see is the main area, the main focus of this space. Again, it is not a full-on recreation center. It offers just under 1,400 square feet of a programmable room that is designed to be multi-purpose. There is a corridor, there is a kitchen, so if there was an event that you wanted to host there, if the staff needed to store snacks for the campers, by the way, there is a storage area to be able to support programming out of this space. The dotted red lines that you see are opportunities for expansion in this, just from this layout, the north and south. But there, this is just the concept. It does not exist in any one location. We do have some ideas of where that could be, though. For example, there was a lot of feedback that the south district needs more, more access to indoor space. They don't have as much as perhaps the central area of town. The outdoor facility priorities, so this is what you did see earlier, but what we would like to ask the public for is, okay, but which, which site should get improvements first? Like, well, how do we make that decision? So we've put this out to the public through this current feedback opportunity. And finally, from a program growth perspective, these areas that were defined as, hey, let's grow some programs in these spaces. We're interested in having communities, oops, the, communities, 
people in the community giving some feedback on, hey, I'd like to see you do this program for teens with a specific title. So that's what you'll see on the website where you can give feedback and later tonight at the open house, folks can give us actual titles. I'd love if you did this particular type of program. All right, so now it's your turn, commissioners. I think this is where we turn our chairs. I'm taking Julie's cue. And this is where we raise the first question. So I think they want to nope. do public input. Public input first. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And if for public input, if you would please come up to the mic tonight. This is a little different format for us. State your name and address for the record as well. Hi, Justin Fishbaugh, 221 East College Street. Um, <clears throat> so I have some questions about the facility in this building, which is Robert A. Lee Pool, right? Um, I'm just curious, did the survey show that people wanted this facility closed? So the answer to that is the recommendation is based on the amount of the cost of the repairs needed for the swimming pool itself, not the entire facility. Um, and so that's why the current recommendation in this report would be to spend that money at Mercer for the expansion. And indeed, this pool could potentially close after that point. So. But the survey didn't show that people wanted it closed. Is that right? It, it didn't ask that specifically. Okay. It's based on all of the other information gathered. Did people indicate they wanted it to stay open? I'm just curious. That question just wasn't asked. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, like yeah. in the comments, did people say, hey, I want this swimming pool to stay open? Did nobody commented about that? I don't remember any strong one way or the other. So. <laughs> it's interesting, huh? Um, so you, you talk about a lot about cost to renovate this, and I read the, the email that you sent out earlier, you know, and so the cost, which you really emphasize a lot, is actually half to renovate this versus going over to Mercer. Can somebody comment about that? Twice sure. is a big, it's almost twice, it's a big yeah. difference. So I, I will answer that. So the, the, the early estimates are about four and a half million for the renovations needed just for the pool here. And that's kind of with some of the unknowns of if we start getting into the piping and whatnot, we just don't know. So indeed, the thought of moving it to Mercer was to allow for something that was asked for but in multiple different ways throughout the process, which was the warm water pool for aqua fitness and swimming lessons. Um, also to help with staffing, aquatic staffing, for the first time ever we're really having to admit that it's really hard to get enough lifeguards to staff all of our facilities. If you've watched any of the news coverage, Iowa City is one of the few places that has enough lifeguards right at this point. Most communities are looking at having to close number of their facilities for this summer. So we are also looking at what would make it more efficient for staffing and operations. Um, and then finally, just the locker rooms and the other things that need renovations here really add to that price tag. So indeed, you are right. It would be about twice the cost to do that at Mercer, um, but then you would end up with a facility that is being asked for by a number of people through this process. Uh, free parking was the other huge thing that people brought up about a reason not to come here to Robert E. Lee and why they'd rather be at Mercer. That's just the results. Not necessarily staff opinion, mm -hmm. just the results. Okay. Um, so one of the things that looked like was emphasized in one of the slides there was open swim, you know, with the 
at any facility, I guess, open swim is a, is a big deal. But it looks like if you close this facility, you're going to cut out a gigantic portion of open swim and not add anything at Mercer. So I just wondered if you could comment about that. So it depends on how you, what you are considering open swim. So I'm, I'm talking about lap swimming. Okay, so lap swimming, yes, it would be less hours of lap swimming, but we feel that there definitely is the capacity at Mercer to take the number of swimmers that have been using this pool um, over the last few years. Different operation, we realize that impacts people, hence why we're being very open about this as a recommendation, and would really, you know, we want your feedback on that. Uh, but overall, we feel like the Mercer pool is large enough to accommodate all the lap swimmers that are here, plus who are using that pool right now. Okay, thank you. So the last thing I uh, wanted to comment about and from one of the slides was that there's a lot of participation from the west side of Iowa City, you know, for pool participation. And so now you're going to have to, all those people are going to drive even farther to get to Mercer. And I just wondered... When you looked at that information, did that make a difference to people, how far they had to drive to go to a, an yeah. indoor pool? It's primarily the people coming for swimming lessons, um, and they're coming here because this is where we have most of the swimming lessons, just simply because the, the warmer water here. I think we could offer the same at Mercer and have, uh, have the same access, if not easier access, to get over there. So, okay. But a good question, for sure. <clears throat> And, and I guess I said last question, but I got one more here I just thought of. So, you know, Iowa City is always improving their downtown. You know, there's lots of building going on and that kind of stuff. It seems like having a pool downtown would be a good idea for the downtown area, and that's going to go away because according to the email, you're going to close this, and it's all going to go to Mercer. So can you comment about that? Uh, potential. And, and that was brought up in this afternoon's meeting as well. Are we being equitable in our, in our aquatics programs by doing that? I think that's a valid question. I, I can see the space being used in a lot of different ways that we haven't explored yet. So this facility would be lively and used by the public in some way. It just may not be swimming. Okay. So this facility will stay here. It won't be torn down. Oh, no, no. It would be have some public use. It, it may change in what the mix of public use is, but I don't see this as being a building that would be torn down anytime soon. Okay. Thank you. Hi, my name is Susan Melliker. Um, I grew up in Iowa City, and I swam here at Your the Your address. Center. Oh, uh, 1918 Ridgeway Drive, East Sider. Um, my big... You know, when I look at all of this, I mean, I use this pool three days a week. Um, I s spend a lot of money on Aquasize, the city of Iowa City, every month. It's not a cheap endeavor <laughs> um, compared to health clubs. Um, but my big concern as I look at this, I don't want this pool to close I do, because I do use it. I understand it's old. I understand that the costs are really high to, you know, to fix it, and I also understand all these costs are really high, right, at all these facilities. But my first concern when I saw this plan was, okay, so you close this pool, and it's going to cost twice as much to expand Mercer. What then? You know, what are you going to, how much is it going to cost to fix this pool area so that you can utilize it for another purpose? because that is not even being considered in this equation at all. And so it's not just like, oh, let's double the cost and take it to Mercer because it's so expensive, but you've also got another potential 10 million or 12 million or whatever it is, 5 million, to repurpose this space. And so I'm curious, I wanna 
encourage all of you to consider that, you know, because that's not on the table right now, right? And number two, um, if you know, what are you going to do with this big open space if you close the pool? Yeah. Uh, there hasn't been a discussion yet because we wanted to get this part of the recommendations out to just get our input to see if this was a realistic plan to move forward. It may not even be the city that does the redevelopment of the space down there. It may be another nonprofit or some other group. I, I think we're open to a lot of different options for that. So um, that's part of the reason we haven't gone too far down that line. We really wanted to get this proposal out, get the feedback, and determine if this is the path we want to go first, um, and then come back to the, then what becomes of that. Yeah, and I would just encourage you to remember that there's going to be a huge cost to somebody to change this space into something other than a swimming pool. And if it ends up being the city of Iowa City, then the taxpayers pay for it. Um, my other concern is when I look at this, especially City Park, um, you're taking out half of the swimming lanes at City Park with this draft view. You've got three 50-meter lanes. And, you know, people swim at City Park a lot in the summer. And you're also, unless I'm wrong, I don't see any 25-yard lanes in this plan. So a lot of people swim at City Park in the 25 yard, which is right before you get to the deep end. So you're cutting out a lot of opportunities to swim laps. While you've got 56% of the people who responded to these surveys saying that aquatics is extremely important in this town. So it, it's interesting to see the data that says aquatics are really important and they're well utilized, but let's close a pool and let's reduce down the fitness part of it, right? So I'm sure. So I can comment on a couple of those things. So first of all, the recommendation to close this pool would be only if we could do the addition at Mercer. So so we'd end up with similar amount of pool space in the end. Um, at City Park Pool, you're right. There's no 25 meters. That was actually pointed out this afternoon in the meeting too. Right. So we're gathering that kind of input. Realize that at City Park Pool, we had just as many non-lap swimmers comment and want different types of pool spaces as we did lap swimmers. Right. Same thing, we heard that pretty loud and clear this afternoon. We had a number of people in the audience that were uh, saying the same thing, need more lap lanes, and then we had a number of parents of small kids saying, great, but we need more space. Trying to keep it within the same footprint means there's trade-offs for both. And we've right. tried to hit a middle ground. I realize it doesn't do everything for all groups, right. but that's, that's why we're proposing this, to get the feedback right. and to say, we tried the best we could to listen to everyone and boil that down into a design that works in the space uh, with the constraints we have there. Okay. You can't please all the people all the time is what you're trying to say. <laughs> um, Diplomatically, yes. And my third yes. point is, you know, when everybody wants free parking, City of Iowa City owns this lot, do they not? Can they not provide free parking at this facility sometimes? <laughs> we would love to. The issue is the number of college students that would take it over immediately if we... Well, that's true. So you, yes. you may have free parking, but I doubt you would have any parking at that point. Right. Yeah, and I mean, and one solution to that is to look at your pricing policy for like, and I like I said with aquatic, like with Aquasize for example, um, it the pricing policy doesn't make any sense at all, and I'm not going to go into it right now. It is really, it doesn't make any sense, and it doesn't, it's not uh, 
it's not monitored at all. Um, so a lot of people who you think are not at Aquasize might be there, but they're not signing up ahead of time. Nobody at the front desk is asking them if they're signed up, if they paid. There's nothing going on there. And so um, I lost my train of thought on that. Um, so that, yeah, so I mean, so something with this pool, a solution would be to put that into a pricing policy. I can buy a $500 pass and I can use this Aquasize six days a week and I can get parking included for an extra amount. I mean, there's solutions to that as well, other than just not having free parking. So I think that's all I had. Um, let me just look at my notes as I was taking them. I do appreciate you guys having these meetings. Um, I'm curious, when you talked about the demographics, where, where can we see those? Can we see those somewhere, public-wise? Yeah, absolutely. It's public record as far as using the U.S. Census Bureau data. That's where we do get our, our information from. And there is a company called Esri that interprets that data for us and makes those predictions of what the population might look like into the future. So we do have a component of the final draft plan, a whole section on the demographics that digs into age, race, okay. ethnicity, So it wasn't income. actual Iowa City demographic. It was, it was projections more. It okay. uses current, current data that is okay. accurate. So we do have to say that this 2010 data, because right now the 2020 data from the, that census has still not been, it doesn't have the final seal of approval, unfortunately. Okay. So we used the 2010 actual data and projections for 2026 and the estimates for 2021. And, and I will tell you, I, we cut those slides from this presentation because the one this afternoon got much too I'm long. Sure. So we have them when we finish this meeting. If you'd like to see those slides, we could definitely show them to you after the meeting, too. Okay. And they will be on the, online with the full report as well. Okay. I have two other really quick comments. One is that I do believe that many of the staff that work at this pool live downtown. So when you say you're going to have staffing, you know, you can just move your staff to one location. A lot of those people won't move to that location because they, work, they live and work downtown. Um, I wanted to make a comment about the ball diamonds at City Park. I mean, putting a lot of money in those, aren't those in the flood zone? Yeah, correct. I mean, aren't they, haven't they been like flooded like, you know, 45 times in the last 50 years? <laughs> I mean, I'm you know, you mean exaggerating, but I know. <laughs> but but yeah. I mean. That is true, and that is a drawback that was considered in that. Okay. Um, the long-term lower City Park plan shows a raising of the, um, road around them to provide okay. a levy. Um, so that's part of that one to two million dollar cost, I think, that they showed in that to make it a more flood tolerant. But that's, that is also long term for that. Okay. Okay. And it was also just one more comment about the farmer's market. Um, mentioning the farmer's market is really important. Um, a lot of vendors have really figured out how to do business other than the farmer's market, as we can all see every Saturday, right? So I wonder if that's still at, because that was data probably from 2019 also, the farmer's market being, you know, and it is important. I, I love the farmer's market, but um, I wonder if that public opinion has changed now that people have figured another, out another way to buy 
yeah. fresh from farmers. We have so. seen that impact. Um, yeah. The first three weeks of any season, like you've seen, there are empty spaces just because the produce vendors don't have their full crops yet. So our spaces are all filled once we, a few weeks from now, once we get things rolling a little bit more. So we know that the Saturday market is still much loved and much used. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Jill Fishbaugh, 221 East College Street. I love this pool and I want to put in my two cents that I wish you would keep it open for a number of reasons. By closing this pool and just having the pool at Mercer, you're taking away a lot of lanes. And if you knew how it works, people swim before work, uh, the, go to work, right? And so it's very busy at that time. So if you're just looking at when, oh, there's plenty of lanes at Mercer, but they aren't when people want to swim. You have to wait for a lane or you can't get in before work. And now that I'm retired, I try to go when, I try to let the people who work go and then I'll come later. But um, still, like today, I mean, all the lanes were full until this pool was closed at, because um, you've cut the hours at this pool. So we're all trying to, you know, get in when we can. Um, and I see that in all of these plans, there's a lot of money being talked about. 30, 40 million for these other ballparks. Let's look at how many people use those ballparks and for how long. I mean, I'm all for the kids having all these parks, but is it 11 weeks a year for kids, you know, this age to this age? Whereas we're trying to be a community. Um, a swimming pool you're trying to teach everyone to swim in this community it's a lifelong skill it is something that everyone of every age can use all 12 months of the year and so when you look at all the money that you're going to spend over your budget of a recreation for our community and the survey <laughs> says 56 percent of the people want to emphasize aquatics, why can't we spend the money and build the beautiful pool at Mercer and keep this pool here too? I think there's an, I mean, if we're looking ahead at the demographics and the people that are downtown, that all the apartments that are going up and the luxury living that these students are getting, I think um, there's, a, there's a big need in the future for more use at this pool. Students aren't swimming here. The students are swimming at the rec center. Yeah, but aren't some of the um, new housings for professionals and other people that are coming to our community? Not so much? I don't know. Anyway, thank you for listening. I don't know what else I have My name is Karen Crane, 742 South 7th Avenue, and I am also a frequent user of the Robert A. Lee Pool and really advocate keeping it open for a couple of reasons. I'm not an Iowa City native. I grew up in Los Angeles, which has a terrible history of raising its older buildings and replacing them with new buildings. Robert A. Lee is a jewel. It has a feeling that no other building has. It's distinctive and it's really irreplaceable. And I think that you will be following 
the terrible lead of my beautiful hometown of Los Angeles by trying to find efficiencies. And I actually don't think those efficiencies will be there. I live closer to Mercer than I do to Robert A. Lee, but I come to Robert A. Lee because although I have to pay for it, I can find parking here. I can't always find parking at Mercer, and I don't know if there's a plan to expand. Bradford Street has a lot of congestion. There's one little way in, there's one little way out. I don't know if all of that will change. And when you think about who swims at Mercer, it's City High, boys and girls. It's, isn't it um, ice? Don't they swim there? Mm -hmm. And I just don't know how you're going to replace the swim time that we have here that she mentioned in the morning. I, I still work. It's my colleague. And, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to get here early, and I just do not foresee those lanes being there for people like me. And uh, I think it would just, this, this is a jewel, this is a gem. Um, you mentioned that it would cost double to replace it. I, I think we should really work on fixing what we have, this beautiful thing that we have that sets us apart. So thank you. Are there any other public comments? Thank you to everyone who came and shared your thoughts. Appreciate that. And now we'll open it for some commission questions. If there are questions from the commission. Are we just asking general questions about the plan? Yeah. Um, I actually do have one. Um, I know that at some point there is a, um, a need to increase the size of the water treatment facility at Kickers for city, um, for the city of Iowa City. And so I know that that, um, from what I understand of past conversations, that that will um, take over the space that is currently Kickers. Um, I'm not sure, do we have an idea of what dates those are? And I just think we just need to keep that in mind as we look at these plans that at whatever date that is, that those soccer fields that are heavily used, even though for just a short time, will need to be replaced if we were to keep that program alive as it currently exists? That's a, that's a great question. So the question is, uh, right now our Kicker soccer field resides largely on land that is actually owned by the wastewater treatment facility. And in the future, that facility will likely need to expand and we would need to move some of those fields. That was somewhat the genesis of east side sports being planned. So there could be some replacement fields. Um, and there's also some opportunities for some land acquisition around the current kickers. Um, it's not a highlight of this plan at this time because the time frame we're being given is more like 15 to 20 years out. And this plan is a 10 to 15 year plan. So indeed it does include a master planning process to look at what the plan should be, but the actual construction of those additional or moving those fields would likely not happen during the time span of this particular plan. I just wanted to mention it because I know it's something that had been discussed at some point. Yeah, I guess I have like a mix of questions and comments. So some of them will be questions for you. Some of them are more comments from my colleagues as we kind of like think about this. And some of them are in response to like thoughts that came to mind as I was listening to members of the public who spoke. So 
I mean, one thing that struck me as being like a very good question is I appreciate that it's not just in my mind like a matter of how much would it cost to fix the pool here. I understand that's like 4.6 or something like that million. 58 years old, underneath the bomb shelter, super thick concrete that makes it difficult to, to penetrate and to do work. So then I wonder, okay, is it really like a responsible expenditure of taxpayer dollars to try and renovate a structure that may very well need constant maintenance and renovation because of the underlying infrastructure? But then I guess the question that was, I think, provoking is, well, what goes here after that? And what is that going to cost? I mean, it's a big space. Are you going to like partition it into smaller spaces? It clearly architecturally was meant to be a pool. Um, so I suspect it will take some money to change that configuration. Um, and then you had said, Julie, you know, might a nonprofit or other, the other, like the pause in me was like, ooh, is other a private developer that the city will lease the space out to? I suppose that is a possibility. It is be like an unknown what the city council decides to do with the space. So all of that sort of struck me as, well, what does that, what does that leave us? And like, what comes here after? Some of the points though, I did not find terribly compelling. You know, staff is downtown, so will they not go to Mercer? That feels very speculative. I don't know the answer to that, but I don't know that I would make a decision based on that. Um, I was curious, and I'm not finished, but there's to drop a question in. I understand that the pool hours have been constricted here. Is that due to staffing limitations or some other reason? It was due to more efficient use of our staff and just use numbers of the facility as we've had over the last two, three years. So indeed, we're still monitoring that and it's something that could change, but it was done primarily because we were having two lifeguards for maybe one or two people in the water a majority of that time. And I guess this is also like sort of two empirical questions that I wanted to know something about. Maybe you know something about this or you do. So one remark was, oh, what are going to happen to all those people on the west side of town? They'll have to drive all the way to Mercer, which is at a greater distance. But then I kind of wanted to know a little bit more like, is it, I think what underlies that is an assumption that a lot of people who live on the west side are using this pool. So I wanted to know if we had any empirical data on who uses the Robert A. Lee pool. And I guess related to that data that would be useful is the argument that downtown's um, housing unit density has been increasing and so would we not want to allow some use of a pool. My admittedly anecdotal and speculative thought is that most of those come in the form of student housing. And so they're probably using either the field house pool or they're using the very nice and very large recreation pool uh, at the CRWC. But again, that really is a question of what type of housing units are going into downtown predominantly. It seems to me that most of the new construction is on the far west and the far east that are more akin to single family homes that you might suspect for families, not students. But again, that's an empirical question about development in the downtown area, and so I wouldn't want to speculate on that either. But maybe you have some information. Okay, so let me backtrack through a couple of those questions. <laughs> Would the space be used by a private entity? Likely not. 
Um, I wouldn't rule it out, but the space probably would not be reconfigured with a, a private entity. Um, we've had several ideas kicked around by, and actually a couple suggested this morning through email after seeing the, the media press about this. Uh, one that's very intriguing would be to make a skate, indoor skate park um, with the curves of the swimming pool, and, and they had some really good examples of how that's been retrofitted. Um, that would serve another need that we're hearing a lot of um, input on from the public. I'm not recommending that at this point. I'm just sharing that as one of the ideas that would not be um, millions of dollars to do. It would be a couple hundred thousand dollars to do. Still expensive. I could see a, one of our youth nonprofit organizations being interested in partnering on, on something like that or something that's more teen and young adult focused um, in a space like that. As to the question of people living in the west side using this facility, we know that indeed swimming lessons hit all areas of the community. So a large part of the heat map you saw from the west side is swim lesson parents coming here. That's because most of our swim lessons happen here right now. Um, and I believe that they would travel to wherever the swim lessons were offered, whether it be here or Mercer. It's just this one has lower use on everything else, so it gets more swimming lessons scheduled. Did I hit on all the questions at that point? Um, and the other thing about Mercer is it, it does tie into the city transit study that is looking at starting Sunday service so that we would have bus service out to Mercer on all seven days. So that would help with the accessibility of getting to Mercer versus being here in downtown. Is part of the plan to expand any of the parking at Mercer or was the parking stay static? I, I think that's a detail we don't know yet. So potentially it, the parking lot does need to be renovated just in general due to its asphalt condition, not the first little part, but the second part. Um, and the status of the old pool house that's there being used as storage is questionable right now too. So a lot of things could change in the layout of that area. Have you um, done any kind of traffic studies around Mercer with, you know, if it's expanded and more use? I mean, just from years of dropping my kids off there, it, it is kind of a, a bottleneck and, um, yeah. I'd be curious what, what more traffic would, would do to that area. It's not super convenient to get to. Sure. I think that's a great question, something our MPO staff could definitely look into for us. And obviously it's concentrated in those two times of the day of morning pickup drop, morning drop off and afternoon pick off. But we are in conversation with the school district to understand their future plans there as well. So once we get past this phase, if it's the recommendation, we would really dive into that with both the school district um, and our traffic engineers. So. And then I had another question about what is the annual cost for a pool pass? Like if you want to use this facility. I'm looking maybe Gabe notes or. Um, <laughs> I apologize. I can tell you the capital project costs on everything, but I do not know the pool pass price. So, yeah, and yeah. part of the reason I was just curious because I know that the university pool is um, available to the community, and I I just looked it up. It's you know so five hundred and sixty bucks a year for for that. So it'd be quite a bit more. But I'm just yeah. I mean, can I just clarify though? That's just for a pool pass. I mean, so aqua size is 
it's $4 a class, which doesn't sound very much, but if you go like five days a week, you spend $100 a month on just aqua size. And that does not include to be able to come in here and then swim laps on another day. There is no 